0: What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just wanted to remind you, podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, I'm glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry, along with years of gambling wisdom and experience. You need to go check these guys out. They just finished up a NASCAR promo. For those of you new to the show, I know there's some degenerate gamblers on the message board, uh, just making a safe assumption in that regard. You need to go check these guys at Skybox out. They just finished up a NASCAR promo where you got a month's worth of free picks. So if you subscribe to the NASCAR monthly package, you got entered in into a chance to win $1,000 cash if they guessed the race of the winner of the Coca-Cola 600 race correctly. They didn't get the winner right, but they profited it if you played the whole sheet. If you played 100 bucks per unit, you profited $900. So I know Rob and the guys over there may be still a little bit bitter about not picking the race right, but if they made you money, what do, they, uh, what do they actually have to apologize for? But you need to go check these guys out. They've got baseball, basketball. You can get the weekly golf tournament picks. Their Charles Schwab picks last weekend was up on the site. They've got picks headed this weekend. You can do month-long packages. I would just recommend doing the year-long all-sports pass. It's going to pay itself back and then some. But whatever your sport is, you can buy their package for a month, a week, a season, a year, Basically, what I'm getting at is whatever kind of wagering you're into, they have a package that's going to fit your price range. And if you use the promo code RIPPY, you'll get 20% off any purchase you make. At SkyboxSportsPicks.com, I promise you, you need to go check these guys out. If you're in a NASCAR by any chance, you're literally just pissing away free money not going with these guys. They were up 23 units a couple weeks ago, had a profitable weekend at uh, the Coca-Cola 600, despite not picking the winner right. Their NASCAR guys awesome if you want to go back and listen to that podcast. But check them out, particularly with football season in full swing. Why not get a little taste this summer on the NBA playoffs MLB, see how much money they make you, and then just roll that into your bankroll in the football season. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. I teased in the newsletter we were gonna, this podcast was going to be a grill corner, so I lied, as I frequently do in the newsletter. We had a little bit of a change-up going on. This podcast is Colin and I talking some baseball. Greg's Grill Corner will be on Friday. We'll uh, roll that into a Mailbag Friday podcast. So if you have your uh, questions about horse racing, smoked meats, we'll get into the Belmont Best Ways to Grill. It's another Grill Corner edition coming on Friday. But go check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg tweaked the deal for the Rippy Rights newsletter subscribers. So if you're a Rippy Rights newsletter subscriber, you not only get a 10 ounce or 16 ounce prime strip for 10 bucks, you also get $5 off any sort of frozen sausage, $2 off any fish in the fridge, and any second or third 16 ounce prime strip you get is 15 bucks. It's hard to beat that. So if you scrub, subscribe to the Rippy Rights newsletter, that is free meats and uh, five newsletters a week. You decide which one is better. Probably the former, but you're getting the latter anyway. Check them out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Colin and I got into the regional. We made our picks not only for the Oxford regional, but all 15 other regionals got into Ole Miss's decision to start Derek Diamond, how the rest of the pitching rotation will shake out, uh, whether Ole Miss does win or lose. We played out both scenarios. Uh, I argued the case against Derek Diamond and also argued the case for it. So basically the antithesis of ESPN's first take. So we had that. A lot of other stuff to get into. Uh, without further ado, let's go.
1: Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have.
0: What's up? Happy Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Whenever you're listening to this, I am Brian Scott Rippy. On the other end of the line is Colin Brister. Appreciate you hanging out with us for another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast, Rippy Talks Podcast. I got a little bit of shit on the message board about the uh, Rippy Rights Podcast. Uh, Explained there was not a ton of thought put into that one, but we had a little bit of a schedule change. I'll throw uh, Greg's Grill Corner up on Friday because Colin and I decided to go ahead and review, uh, kind of get our regional preview ready. We'll make our picks today uh, for each regional, get into old Miss's pitching decision and some other stuff. What's up, man?
1: Not much, not much. Uh we were forty eight hours, a little less than an hour. It's kinda of like closer to thirty ish hours till uh till NCAA regional start off. I'll be honest, I was there was part of me that uh, back in February was a little bit pessimistic we'd get here, but uh but happy that uh that we did for sure.
0: Yeah, and I thought they would play the season this year. I was not anticipating Ole Miss in particular. I know it hasn't been the same other places playing what effectively 75% of its season under completely normal conditions in all of SEC play?
1: We we had no SEC weekends canceled like they, that. You if you'd have told me that three months ago, I'd have never believed you. Um, so extremely I don't know if lucky is the right word, but extremely gratifying that uh they got through this season with really I think Old Mess lost one game to COVID, uh, the Louisiana Tech second game, but other than that, I mean, that, there's really been little to no issue.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And like, how was it one home series? So my my parents have tickets to the games, and I knew how that process played out. I just can't remember when was it. Was there one or two home series affected by COVID, like the restrictions and the capacity limits and all that?
1: One. Uh, they they went to Texas, and then they came home for UCF, and COVID. They didn't let people in for that. And then that next week, it was a hundred percent.
0: That's what I thought. Which is crazy to think about. So if you're headed to the games this weekend, soak it up. And enjoy it, because, man, it wasn't so long ago that uh, it probably didn't seem possible. Anyway, let's get right into it. The big news Ole Miss uh, put out today, uh, Mike Bianco in very, I, I should say Mike, Mike in very, I was about to say in very Mike Bianco fashion, but it's not. It's just kind of weird stuff he does from time to time. Went on Matt Wyatt's radio show, which I don't mean this as a knock, it's a local radio show with a state-heavy audience, and that's where he announced his starting picture for Friday.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh. It, Cause I got, I got on Twitter and then, you know, look, it had been out for a little while that if you read a message board or read Ben or chase that, that they were going to start Diamond. Um, But you know, not everybody does. And I get on Twitter and I see that everybody's talking about Diamond starting. I'm like, Oh, well he must've announced it. And then I saw that, uh, like you said, a a media or a Mississippi state media, heavy radio show that uh, like you, I mean, mentioned is listened to by mainly Mississippi state fans uh, has reported that, that, they're going to throw a diamond because Mike said it on the radio show. I was like, well, uh, I guess that's one way to get it out there. He was going to announce it, I'm sure, during, during the media op tomorrow. But regardless, it is kind of funny how it came out.
0: Yeah, it is. And I, I was just kind of mostly poking fun at it. It Really is what it is is with Mike, when there's a live audience, which maybe I should have tried this in the days where I used to get the metaphorical noogie from the guy all the time. If there's a live audience going, he's almost like, – he is, actually is more open than if it's just a bunch of us print people or online people standing around asking him questions after he's stewing after a loss. But, like, he's pretty open about, like, pitching decisions and injury stuff when you kind of put a live audience in front of him, whether he's in front of a camera. I say live audience. Whether he's on TV or, like, radio or something like that, he's a lot more open because the interviews, uh, when I was at Sports Talk, he would do. Like, Richard would just throw out, who's pitching tomorrow? And he'd be like, oh, so-and-so. And, like, when we would ask, you know, 12 hours earlier on Sunday after, and he'd be like, I don't know. So I don't know. I just thought that was funny. So I guess kind of there's a. I want to get into this from a number of different angles because I think sure. this is a fascinating decision because it was something that you and I talked about on this podcast for we, probably close to a month, right? I mean, right when we got to the last three weeks of SEC play, really from the Hogan injury on. So the last two weeks of SEC play and the SEC tournament, uh, this was kind of the storyline. Was he who was he going to throw against a four seed? Well, uh, you know, we spent the better part of that making the case that it should not be dug, barring one or two exceptions. You could argue that Southeastern Missouri State, uh, did I get that full name right? Is it just Missouri?
1: Is yes. It's, it's, it's Southeast. It's called SEMO. I, I have no idea. Southeast Missouri University? I don't know.
0: We're official on this podcast, we do everything by the book. Anyway. Them having an ace and Dylan Dodd, like he was probably one of the two along with the kid of the Grand Canyon. Is there anyone else out there, four-seed-wise, that would have been no. remiss- made this remotely uh, a, a smart decision, I guess, either way?
1: No. No, I actually – you'll laugh. I actually made a list of possible four-seed aces, and he was the only one remaining, him and the guy from Grand Canyon.
0: So, and it's funny because, you know, we spent a lot of that time – talking about how this is what Mike always does and if he does it it's going to make people mad before the game starts and then he has a perfectly legitimate out to kind of go what he's always done which with the exception of two times throw his best guy the first game of the regional it's like the, I just found it ironic the time he kind of has an actual out to where there's not necessarily a wrong move either way is when he kind of goes is forward-thinking the right way to put it? I don't know. Yeah, just,
1: absolutely it yeah, is. Yeah, forward-thinking
0: with it. It's just funny. I, I think it's also indicative of maybe some of the stuff that's happened earlier this year. What do you think?
1: So so I actually went and listened to his interview with Richard and Sports Talk and Matt Wyatts today, and he said the same thing, and it's extremely – look, we, we've cracked jokes about Mike Bianco before, but this is extremely logical. It's extremely forward-thinking, like you said. He said, look, I said obviously, you want to win the first game. Everybody wants to get started off on a good foot, get out to one and zero stories, said, but it doesn't matter if you don't go two and zero. So we have to figure out as coaches the best way to get get this team to two and zero, and this is the best way to get this team to two and zero in our opinion. Um, you know, so uh, that that was his thought process. It was a readily clear to me that they look this this they had talked about this before. It was apparent to me that outside of SEMO, they were always planning on holding Doug, right? They got Dodd and was like, ah, crap, we need to dig into this before we make a 100% decision. But if it would have been literally anybody else besides them and Grand Canyon, I have a sneaky suspicion that on Monday during the media interview, they said Diamond's going to start on Friday. They just kind of got thrown off because of Dodd.
0: Yeah, and the seeds were planted uh, really starting last week regarding this when it went all the way back to the decision to start Doug on Tuesday yeah. against Auburn, because you pointed out that quote, and I went back and listened to it or watched it, whatever form it was on as well. And I thought that was actually a little bit telling. It may not have actually been telling, but you could tell maybe subconsciously it was where the debate over starting Doug on Tuesday in Hoover after pitching Thursday in Athens. Mike Bianco said, I believe, something to the effect of when it's a win or go home scenario, you want to fire your best bullet. And I, not that I've never heard him say something like that before. It, it was because that was not a game Ole Miss per se had to win. Now sure. that doesn't mean Hoover didn't matter, but that was not a a crucial game, told Miss this season. It was important, but it was not com- like totally vital to them, you know, playing baseball at home or, you know, I, I don't know. I you get what I'm getting at. They were probably sure. going to be a host. So I just thought the way he framed that when he said, because didn't he kind of follow that up with some color to the fact yeah, like, that double he elimination
1: said, would be different? Right. Paraphrasing, he said, when it's double elimination, you can do a little bit more and be a little bit more creative. But when it's win go home, you need to fire your best bullet if it's available. And that, that to me, like, when he said it, I was like, oh. I thought what it, – it, it, honestly, I and I didn't say this, but I, I thought it when it came out, it was like, He's he's thinking about throwing diamond next week. Or not necessarily diamond, but he's thinking about holding Doug next week. And that's kind of how he's gonna use, you know, that that's kind of what he's saying when he throws diamond. He's giving himself a little bit of an out. Because right, if he says, Hey, you you know, you want to throw your best bullet if he's available, well, that tells me that hey, you're gonna throw Doug on a Friday night in the regional. But when he comes back and says, when it's double elimination, you can be a little bit more creative. That that made my ears perk up a little bit.
0: I agree, because it didn't necessarily need to be qualified, right? I mean, everyone in the room, everyone who whoever it was asking the question, presumably, I don't know, those TV guys can get a little out of whack, but everyone knew it was single elimination that Tuesday. Now, maybe could he have been referring to the fact that if they were a higher seed, they would have just skipped the single elimination portion? Maybe, but I tend to agree with you, and I agreed with you as soon as you pointed that out, is that's that tells me that the wheels were kind of spinning in his head about this regional even beforehand uh before that so you could kind of maybe read the tea leaves a little bit there but wouldn't you kind of agree maybe our thinking was a little jaded based off his history where i agreed with you at the time i was like okay maybe that's a little telling to what he's thinking about but it was kind of a i'll believe it when i see it type of deal if that makes sense
1: yeah um and I think – so this is, this is something where I think, you know, a lot of people, like we said on, on Monday, I guess, uh, criticize Mike. And, and some of it's fair and some of it's probably not, that, that he's stuck in his ways and he's stubborn. Um, there are some things that, that over the last 10 years or so Mike has evolved and, and adapted to because 10 years ago – I'll give you a scenario. Uh, they went to Charlottesville, Charlottesville and played the number one seed in, in Virginia and he threw Drew Pomerantz on a Friday night against against St. Johns and they won the game and then he had to throw his number 2, who I forget, I think it may have been Aaron Barrett against Virginia and they, they kind of got shelled. I don't think Mike Bianco in 2021 makes that decision, right? Like just come, just the way he said it, hey, it's about going 2 and 0. Like I think he's evolved in this mindset of hey, it's not about going 1 and 0, it's it's about going 2 and 0. So I think you know th- there are some valid criticisms of, hey, he's done things this way and he's never adapted, but I kind of think this is one that we have to look at and say, yeah, he- he's kind of changed his mindset on that.
0: Absolutely, and we've talked about this a bunch on this podcast about how changing his mindset and how he deals with pl- – not deals with players. How It's kind of demeanor and, and kind of allowing the guys to cut loose, and the 2019 team was an embodiment of that. That story's been well covered. We don't need to rehash that right now. I, I guess I just say all of that to say he's incorporated analytics more, particularly on the pitching sure. side, as you've noted a few times. He he changed kind of his coaching style a little bit in terms of the you know letting players show their personality and just not making that may not be even be the right way to say it. Just not making them so screwed down and so tight in the game's biggest moments in night or in the season's biggest moments that started in nineteen. I guess I'm I, what I say all of that to say is the decisions he made this year that directly cost him two games were not necessarily a product of him being stuck in his old ways. They were just very bad decisions where he got in his own head and kind of screwed himself up, right? Where he turns Ben Van Cleve and Tim Elko into a sack bun and intentional walk, or when he kind of goes back to the mallet cigarette, as we've dubbed it on this podcast, almost as like a nervous habit. It's not really stuck in his own ways. That's just a bad managerial decision. I think yeah. there's a difference between the two.
1: Sure um yeah, that's that's a good way to put it so you know we we'll probably need to get into this so what does that mean for Ole Miss going forward I mean you, you're throwing diamond on Friday night and and so I got on here on Monday and said I would throw Doug and I think you know I can't I'm not gonna back away from that now but someone did and I think I may have said this but but someone tweeted it, I think both of us and made a good point um all right, let, let, let's just be real about this. This this team, Doug Nikhazy, doesn't get to lose again until the College World Series if they want to make the College World Series, right? Like, that's just not an option. Um, so we're going to operate on the premise that, hey, when Doug Nikhazy pitches on Saturday, they're going to win. Um, so let, let's operate on that premise. Ole Miss is probably going to be in the Sunday night game regardless of how Friday night works because – in Game Three, if God forbid Ole Miss did get beat on Friday night, they're going to kick the crap out of Semo's number three. So this this situa- this scenario kind of just if you went on Friday night now, man, you're you're really 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 set up.
0: I, I don't want to. I, I agree. I actually texted this to someone earlier today. I don't want to. You oh. Know. I don't want to go hot take-ish on it, but you're almost like eliminating a step to some degree with this as kind of a sure thing it's oh. dug been for the last little bit. Not not completely eliminated step. I don't want to, like, guarantee things. But it's kind of like if you do get past Friday, you're probably winning this deal.
1: Yeah, that's – look, I get it with Tennessee Tech. Everybody's going to say, I remember 2018. Yeah, I, do too. Um, I got a real hard time believing this offense isn't going to take care of one game if they get to 2-0. and oh. So I got two things I have, I have trouble to believe. Uh, I have trouble believing Doug Nikhazy is going to lose on Saturday, and I have trouble believing this offense isn't just going to outslug somebody either on Sunday night or Monday to get to a Super Regional. Um, so that leaves one step, and that's Derek Diamond beating SEMO.
0: Absolutely. And uh, we'll get – before we get into that, did you think when – because we – it's funny how much we've – I don't know if waffled – waffled's not the right term No. For we've just kind of gone with how the season's gone and how it's ended up playing out. Cause we've always left the caveat for an exception, but we did kind of bang the Derek diamond drum for about three weeks. Then they get the tough draw and they get kind of the exception. We both decide that we'd start Doug Nickasey. I think I still probably lean that way. I don't really have a strong opinion one way or yeah. another on this. I wrote that in the newsletter this week. I don't think there's a wrong decision to be had here, uh, but I, just for the sake of, being consistent, I'll still say I, if it were me, I'd probably run Doug DeCasey out there. But that doesn't mean the other side of the coin is wrong. I see both sides of it. Honestly, sure. if you want to get a coin analogy, it's probably a coin flip in terms of the right path to choose. It's just funny how all of this has played out, particularly when you kind of juxtapose that with the fact that Mike Bianco being set in his ways, he has a perfectly legitimate out to throw his best guy, and he doesn't do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so – I look, I, I hope it, my hope is that look, obviously, I want to miss the wet on Friday night and win eight to two. And Taylor Broadway, Jack Gordy, and Brandon Johnson never pick up a baseball. My hope is, though, if God forbid something does go to hell on Friday night, that people don't run to message boards and run to Twitter and, and crucify Mike for making the decision. Like, there, there is no in no world is this decision a wrong one. Like, you can disagree, say, hey, they need to throw a duck. Okay. But there is this this decision. I can tell you was, I, or I presume. I don't know. I'm not in those office. But but you know they spent two days making it. This this decision didn't really come out until Wednesday. Uh, it's been well thought out, well calculated. And you look, it, hopefully it works out. And I suspect that that it will. Um, but I, I just hope, if God forbid something happens, it's just not a crucifixion of Mike.
0: This is the ultimate hindsight twenty twenty, right? Because guy, if if it does not go well for Ole Miss on Friday. Uh, guy that that that's going to crucify Mike on whatever platform he wants to uh, is literally just playing the result. I mean, that would be the definition sure. of playing the result because, like you mentioned, there's no wrong decision here. You mentioned on Monday's show that the fact that they were still thinking about it and didn't announce it led you to believe that it was going to be Derek Diamond. I kind of, like, I talked you off the ledge, but I wasn't there quite yet. But you just figured the more and more they thought about it, the less and less likely it was they would probably go with Doug. Like, I didn't necessarily see an advantage to them announcing it on Monday. I thought it was yeah. a savvy move to spend more time thinking about it. But the more and more I thought about it, I imagine it may have been the same way with Mike. It's like, the longer you think about it, you're probably going with the riskier strategy, but the one that's not necessarily the most obvious. So
1: w- when my, my vacation for Mike, saying, hey, I, I, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to do yet, was, hey, I think he's thinking about throwing Diamond. That was incorrect, though, right? Because you look at this, and I think the reason he didn't announce it was because he was thinking about throwing Doug. I think they had planned for a while to hold Doug, and it came to, hey, we've got Dylan Dodd. We've got a top 120 prospect on the mound. Maybe we need to rethink that. Like, I think the time to think was reconsidering their decision that they had probably already made to hold Derek.
0: You know, that's a great point. And I, I had not thought does. about it that way until just now. That's a great point. So you're saying, because based off what we just kind of rehashed earlier in his quote heading into Hoover and all that, you're saying that he probably had that on his mind for a while, particularly with the way this team looked for two and a half weeks uh, before that. You know, they did they, struggle a little bit starting pitching-wise immediately after Hogan left, right? I mean, Diamond yeah. gets shelled by Vanderbilt uh, and McDaniel didn't really do himself any favors in that start. He wasn't awful but he wasn't great and then they were okay both of them were okay against georgia i say that
1: yeah mcdaniel, was no, D- McDaniel wasn't, wasn't
0: yeah okay. diamond was okay mcdaniel was bad so you're i agree with that you're kind of now that i think about it you're kind of saying that's probably in the back of his head with the way this team kind of looked for two weeks and then the fact that they do get Dodd, they kind of balk on it to maybe go back to nakeasy and ended up sticking with what you're saying is probably their original thought
1: yeah, it was, you know, just kind of from reading the tea leaves, and and you know, it, it I, I just kind of think that they had all, already decided. Hey, we're gonna hold Doug and and throw Diamond. Um, I guess, I guess, you know, I did. That. I guess they could have thrown McDaniel or whoever. Uh, I, they were going to hold Doug. And then, like I said, I think that Dodd kind of screwed it up. They needed to dig into Simo and see. I don't necessarily think they dig. I don't necessarily make, think they made the decision based off Dodd. I think they made the decision of, okay, can these guys hit enough to pose a problem if he pitches well? The reality is they really can't or shouldn't. Uh, they've got four guys that can hit. Um, One of them strikes, and one of those four strikes out about 38% of the time and just hits a bunch of home runs against a bunch of OVC pitching, which tells me he's going to struggle with real velocity on Friday night. Um, Yeah, I I think they dug into SEMO's hitters and said, all right, look, Derek's got to shut somebody down. We got to win a game with him on the mound, and I think our best opportunity to do that is against Southeast Missouri.
0: Last thing before we kind of get into how this could potentially play out. Just, in, your, in your mind, let's just say now that now we're operating under the assumption that they had arrived at this maybe a week or two beforehand, maybe even longer than that. Who knows? Just from the time Gunner went down, somewhere in there they decided uh, on the idea of holding Doug Nikhazy. Do you think they stand firm in that line of thinking if Diamond gets absolutely shredded by Vanderbilt? Do you think that changes anything in Hoover? Um
1: I think they throw Drew McDaniel. Really? I I think, yeah, I think they throw somebody that's not Doug Nikhazy. I do. I I think they, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I I could absolutely be wrong. I think they would have tried to find something as far as a starter goes. Um, I think that just kind of, you know, listening to Mike and and reading some tea leaves that they had planned on holding Doug for a while. Um, And – you know, I, I think even if so, even if Derek struggles against Vandy, Vanderbilt, right? Um, I think he still would have been a good matchup against Simo because of the velocity that he possesses. Um, and, and they've not seen that in the OVC. I mean, we're talking about now a team that has a 750 OPS and OVC play, and that's a very offensive league against a bunch of really bad pitchers. I'll just say that. Um, you know, I, I have real doubts that they could have. Yeah, I mean, it probably makes the decision a little murkier, but right. But, you know, when we talk about Mike's mindset of, hey, I've got to do whatever i got to do to get to 2-0, and doesn't that give you even more reason to hold Doug if you don't have trust in Derek Diamond? Because if you don't have trust in him, then who in God's name is going to go beat Florida State or Southern Miss?
0: Probably. So can I make both ar- – let's get into this now, and let's get into how this plays <laughs> out. Can I make both arguments without, like, necessarily forming – a hard dug in stance on it, I mean, I think I'm cool to do that as long as I don't rebrand this to undisputed or first take Rippy, Rippy <laughs> sure
1: speed, sure I don't know
0: uh anyway, so let's play out both sides of this, so they're starting diamond, my argument if i'm I, so you argue for diamond and I'll argue against it, and then we'll flip it, so ju- okay. you can just respond to whatever argument i'm making. Does that work? sure, the argument to me against it is. Yes, Semo's hitters are unlike really anything Ole Miss has like Diamond has faced in terms of it being a step down, right? Like yeah. they're worse than Alabama, they're worse than Auburn. There's worse. He's probably has he faced an offense comparable? I I forget. Well, I mean, the, see, the he the
1: non-con. Yeah, that's I kind of forget who
0: he faced in the non-con Belmont, who's
1: not UO Monra.
0: Yeah. Okay. So two starts there. The rest of it's been pretty good, right? Because one of the other non-conference starts was against Texas. So this will sure. be the worst offense he's faced. But let's just say he kind of goes back to where he can't get off the field and he has one of the classic diamond moments where maybe he gives up an early solo shot or something, strikes out two guys in a row, then gives up two walks and the kid hits the ball over the fence and all of a sure. sudden it's four-nothing and you're like, oh boy. Now I don't That's think awesome. I think Ole Miss's offense could overcome that, but kind of I don't want to say given the history. Do you really want to be sitting at that stadium with Ole Miss down four to nothing in the third? with a pretty capable pitcher as a four seed on the mound? No,
1: I, and I understand that. But I also don't think that when you're talking about a guy that's going to have to win you a game in a regional, you can operate in worst-case scenario uh, thinking. Like I, I So but I'll ask this. Obviously, they're not going to let Derek Diamond pitch them out of the game on Friday night. Is that fair? They will get him off that mound if he's going to pitch them out of the game, right? That was my second argument against it, is on top of
0: that, not only do you not want to get down 4-0 against a kid that's capable, not something Ole Miss should be worried about, but perfectly capable, not some kid from, you know, Jackson State or Southern or, you know, name the other right state, whomever, that they, you know you're probably scoring seven or eight runs against. I think Ole Miss will probably still score that many. I'm just saying, more capable. The second part of that is, if he only gives you four, you're starting to spin your bullpen before you get to Saturday. And I know Doug's been very automatic, but – you know, you'd like to have the security blanket, regardless of the bull yeah. being intact. And burning it on Friday against a four seed is not necessarily a great, a great way to enter game two, even if you win.
1: Um, and I'm fine with that. My my argument is that I don't think, I think when you talk about Jackson, Kemble, Jack Doherty, and Brandon Johnson, um, I'm not sure that you need more than Taylor Broadway on your bullpen on on Saturday. Um, obviously, like you said, you've got to have it or you'd like to have them, but like in reality, all right, we're talking about the bullpen on Sunday or on Saturday, excuse me. Let's just say that, uh, Doug has to come out after the sixth inning and Ole Miss is up four to two. They're not bridging it. They're just going to Broadway. So like, yes, you would, you would like to have Johnson available. You'd like to have Campbell. You'd like to have whoever. Um, there's just in reality, you don't need much of a bridge on Saturday. Um, and, and, and my thing is, like, they're not going to let Diamond pitch them out of the game. If they have to get him off the mound early, they'll go to Myers, and I think Myers will be fine. I don't think Derek Diamond will be able to leave the mound. I'll say this. I don't think there's any scenario that Derek Diamond leaves the mound on Friday night, and I, I who will be in the stadium, thinks Ole Miss should not win the baseball game. Like, if he leaves after two innings and it's four to one, Ole Miss should still win. If he leaves after four innings and it's five to two, Ole Miss should still win. Like, I, I, I just struggle to believe that there's any situation that Mike's going to let him pitch himself into uh, where he leaves and Ole Miss is unable to win the baseball game.
0: Good rebuttal. You ever thought about being an attorney? Because you might have – you actually just destroyed <laughs> my third point, that the third argument against it is – and it was one we actually made pro Nikhazy on Monday's podcast that you had Doug shove against Southeast yeah. – against SEMO – and you know barring him just being wasted in an 11 to 1 game or something play that game's like 7-4 seven, 7-2 seven, something like that and he goes eight and your bullpens completely intact heading into saturday uh, how how much do you actually need from diamond on saturday against florida state uh against florida state or southern miss but really that's just the opposite sides of different coin like the that's really the the inverse of what would happen on friday right you have the bull full bullpen available to you on friday if Diamond is not very good and it's probably happening against a weaker offense. So it's really kind of the same argument. Now, now that I'm done arguing against Derek Diamond, which I don't actually believe half of that, just posing the argument against it. The argument for Derek Diamond is one, he's probably the weakest offense he's faced in three months Two, he's pitching as good as he's pitched or as well as he's pitched all year. If I have an English professor listening out there, sorry, pitching as well as he's pitched all season, Oh, you're an English yep. teacher, right?
1: Yeah, I teach English, but right. I'll let Does that it make slide.
0: Clinch or cringe?
1: Uh, a little bit of both, but I'll let it slide.
0: Okay, well, let it slide. I appreciate that. He's, he's pitching as well as he has pitched all season long, and he's got better stuff than any, probably than anything these kids have faced this year. Maybe Sand's one exception. I'm just putting that blanket over that because I don't know the ins and outs of the uh, Ohio Valley Conference's pitching.
1: Well, they faced Arkansas
0: now. That's right. You're right. I didn't think about the non-conference. You're right. He's the best pitcher they faced in two months, three months. Like, the inverse works that way. And like you said, if you get him five, you're still in a position to win, and the offense is probably going to hit this kid. So that's the argument for him, which in totality leads to the fact that if he's good, it'll miss wins without, you know, using like three arms in their bullpen or something crazy like that you know, good luck to Southern or Florida State. Like the best version of this Old Miss baseball team is it, it is absolutely when Doug McCasey's on the mound, you know, if you if you want to have the second, you know, nuclear bomb to drop on the opponent, it's having a fully rested bullpen or close to it. That's the best this team's looked all year. And you know, I'm stating the obvious, but it's also a mindset deal. That team kind of has a different energy when Doug's on the mound too. Yes, so it
1: does. It absolutely a, does.
0: Yeah. So if you can get diamond through You know, game one, you're coming off a win, you're feeling pretty good about it. Your guys on the mound, like those kids, are going to be ready to run through a wall. I, I, there's another element to this. Is there a world where if they get past this uh Semo with Derek Diamond, how could you possibly even? No matter what Mike says in his post game speech and like dangles your scholarship or your post game meal in front of you. I'm mostly kidding there. Like, there's no way they could potentially be tight. Like, you'd have to. I would have the most confidence in the world. Uh, against any opponent, against anyone going to play Florida State or Southern Miss with Doug Nakaze on the mound, there's no way they could be tight.
1: No, no, they look, they've won so many big games with Doug on the mound. I mean, look, I, yeah, you get through Friday night, and I got a real hard time seeing Ole Miss not win this regional. I'll just be I like, and, and look, maybe that's a little Homeristic or whatever, but I'm telling you, if they went on Friday, you're going to have – there's some – it would be have to be an outrageous scenario where Ole Miss loses this. like, what, Doug's not going to pitch well and maybe his last start in Swayze? I don't buy that. Uh, they're not going to – you know, they're not going to hit against, you know, two – I mean, look, Walker Powell is good, uh, and the guy that Southern – or Florida State's going to throw out is good. But, like, let's keep it real. They they face guys that a whole lot better than those two. Um, I mean, it's just reality. Um, yeah, look, if they went on Friday – I just – it's the idea in my head of them losing this regional that doesn't really compute because I i, I refuse to accept that Doug and Case is going to lose a baseball game and, and Swayze. I, it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Oh, I agree. The path to them losing game two, and I don't think this happens either, is Doug is magnificent, but the offense stinks kind of yeah. a lot game two against LSU to where they just sure. have an atrocious approach at the plate. They really helped the guy out. Now, that kid from LSU that night, was that Labus? Labus, yeah. Yeah, he That was, was really a matchup good. problem. Yeah, Ole Miss did him some favors as well. Like, that's the pathway to them losing. I don't see that happening in game two as well. And then I guess the other argument for Doug is if you do get Southern Miss and not Florida State, I'm not necessarily – I think Ole Miss will shred uh, Florida State's Saturday guy. I forget that kid's name.
1: It's not um,
0: – So, I so
1: the, look, I have not – Florida State's not announced a pitcher. I think there is a world where Florida State holds their guy. There's a little bit of fall off after Messick for them. So, I think there's a world where they hold Messick. Clemson did that in 2019. That didn't work out. But uh, I think there is a world where Florida State holds their dude.
0: Yeah, and neither that Clemson team nor this Florida State – team would be good. I, his name escaped me for a second. Ole Miss, would, if they do not hold Messick, they would face Bryce Hubbard, which I wouldn't yes. have any worries about Ole Miss scoring on him. I don't really have any worries about, like, I wouldn't be concerned about Ole Miss scoring on either one of those, but I guess my last argument for Doug is that if you do face Southern Miss, Walker Powell was pretty damn good. Like, Stan Stanley are kind of 1A and 1B. It's not something Ole Miss should be overly concerned with, but like, who would you rather have on the mound for you? Would you rather have Walker Powell or Dylan Dodd?
1: Oh. Ooh. All right. So, in fairness, fairness to me, I've not seen Walker Powell throw a pitch. I've seen him miss um, twice. I, well, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you answer that question then, because I have not.
0: Mine is well, my answer. Would be Walker Powell. I would say okay. maybe I'm wrong about that, but just. You know, draft prospect stuff aside, I would rather have Walker Powell on the mound for me. And granted, I haven't seen this Dodd kid, so maybe I'm I'm partially speaking out of ignorance. Walker Powell is pretty good. If you go look at his numbers, they're almost every bit as good as the Stanley kid, just from what his team below was. Well, he's 91, 92, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he's a uh-huh. legitimate pitcher. You know, that Stanley kid, oh. if I'm not mistaken, Walker Powell was going to be their number one this year. Maybe I'm uh-huh. wrong about that until that kid kind of emerged on the scene.
1: What happened to Gabe Shepard for them? Do you remember that name? He started their Friday game in Baton Rouge in the 19 regional, and he has thrown 0.2 innings this year. And it doesn't look like he's injured. Gabe Shepard, was he the two-way kid? I think so. But I, I, he started on Friday in the Baton Rouge regional when they beat Arizona – or I think they may have actually lost. Uh, they lost to Arizona State. He was their Friday guy as a true freshman. And I have no idea what has happened to that kid.
0: That uh, that might be a good question to ask. I don't know. But be that as it may, I'll uh, I'll work on the Google machine on that one later because I had not heard that name in a couple years. I think Walker Powell is pretty good. Kid's a pretty good okay. competitor as well. So the other argument for Doug is, would you rather have Doug go opposite of Dylan Dodd or Walker Powell? And the answer to me, I'd rather have him against Walker Powell because I think he's pretty good. I think that kid throws really well. I think he's kind of – not a poor man's dug in terms of how they pitch but he's a pretty damn good competitor and he's feisty and if you look at the numbers but the numbers between he and Hunter Stanley are not really that different it's kind of a 1A 1B type scenario and just looking at it on the surface I bet Southern was an SOB in those two uh seven inning you know the CSA did the four gamers where you'd have yeah. three seven innings on Saturday I don't know if they ever held Stanley for one of them but if Stanley and Powell pitched on the same day. That's a tough sledding for the other two guys. But anyway, that's the last argument I think I had for Doug is if you do, in fact, face Walker Powell, that
1: kid's pretty good.
0: Uh, And so I think I'd rather have my best guy on the mound against him rather than Dylan Dodd.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. I think think that's kind of Mike's mindset, too, is like, look, hey, win or lose, I got to play Florida State or Southern Miss on Saturday, and I need Doug for that. Um, So – I think that that's kind of just what won out, what kind of made them make the decision. I hope, and look, obviously I want Ole Miss to win the regional, but I hope that this decision works out. So, because the last two times Mike's made it, it hasn't worked. And, you know, in 04, they held their ace and they scored with zero runs. I mean, obviously that's not going to work out. 13, they held wall and it didn't work out. I'm hopeful that this year it does because I, I don't want them to look back next year and say, oh, well, we're don't need to – we don't need to hold our ace because the four seed beat us every time we've done it. Uh, well, technically it was a three seed and 13. But, yeah, I I, I I think it's going to work out. I think Ole Miss is going to get out of Friday relatively unscathed. Um, and, and I think that's going to wind up being, you know, what makes this be a pretty successful weekend for the Rebels.
0: Yeah, so if you'll forget – and you actually probably have seen Walker Powell pitch. He was the kid at the very beginning of 19 – that threw the uh, seven and two thirds five hit shutout against state.
1: Oh, okay. okay. Went seven, five and a good. third
0: against seven, two, uh, two in uh, five and a third innings of two run ball on seven. You gotta
1: remember now you gotta remember uh, the coach from State was over there on his phone. So it's tough.
0: Oh, I for- No, no, no. That was eighteen. That was eighteen. We got Lamonas no.
1: nineteen. Oh, was Lamonas nineteen? Okay, I, you're right. Think, yeah, Lamonas has taken him to Omaha once. Yeah, he went 19. You're right. I'm sorry. Sorry, Andy. Andy zero. My bad. You were just dying
0: to make that joke, and I would have I gladly beat you to it. Like, that, that, that was well played despite it. But kid's pretty good. Like, he's very capable. So, that was kind of my evidence against that. And then I think he actually has pitched against Ole Miss once, but I keep trying to look that up, and Southern's website is not helping me out. But anyway, that's uh, not great podcasting. So, be that as it may, let's play the flip side of this. What if Ole Miss loses on the Friday night? What are you going the rest of the way? Obvious. It's Doug on Saturday against the loser of Florida State Southern Miss. And then you go McDaniel if you win that game in the first game on Sunday, Myers on Sunday night. Just play it out from there.
1: I mean, it'd be Adcock on Monday. I guess it'd there's no other option. No, I mean, you could bring Diamond back for some relief stuff. Um, I mean, you could bring Diamond back to start if you wanted to. Um, but, I mean, Adcock's going to figure into that. Um, I don't know. I mean, look. I, I think this team can get out of a loser's bracket. I think this team is the only team that can get out of a loser's bracket um, in this regional. But it would not be a fun experience. It would be some stomach ulcers to be had. Yeah, and that's one of those deals.
0: If they do end up – say they do lose to Southeast Missouri on Friday night, oh, no. the offense can't have a bad night the rest of the way.
1: No, no.
0: Like, you got to play think- four pretty perfect – not perfect – you got to have really four so, long performance offensively.
1: Sure, but here's reality too. Now, like, I mean, we talk about Doug not losing on Saturday. Okay, you lose to Semo, right? Well, Doug's gonna kick the crap out of Florida State on on Saturday or, or Southern because he's not gonna let his season end on his shoulders. That's what's gonna happen. Okay, that's what's gonna happen. if Fulmer goes zero one. All right. Well, on Sunday afternoon, you're playing Semo, right? Well, so all right, let's let's actually discuss this, right? So if Ole Miss, God forbid, um, loses on Friday night, Semo and Southern Miss playing that winners' bracket game, you're rooting for Semo to 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 get out of that, right? Because you want to be you want to have to beat Semo twice, not USM. Um, so Florida State, Doug beats Florida State, and then you play a game to get to Sunday night against Southern Miss on Friday or Sunday afternoon. That would be best case if you were to get beat on Friday night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you do get beat on Friday night, you're rooting for SEMO until you see them again, which obviously, yes. like you said, is one game.
1: Yeah. Well, no, you you'd want you'd have to beat SEMO twice. You which, would have
0: to beat them twice, but I'm saying until you see them again. You're rooting for right. Southern. I just so, made that way too complicated.
1: Right. Um, if God forbid, again, you do get beat on Friday night. I feel like if Ole Miss could get by Florida State and Southern Miss, they would be perfectly fine to win the regional after that. Like I don't think SEMO's beating Ole Miss. Uh, again with their third and fourth pitches, I guess they could bring Dodd back on Monday.
0: Just one last note on Walker Powell, as I just kind of had what I had of his game log uh, left. He went a complete game five times in 2019. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Went eight another two times and seven a handful after that. That uh, that seems pretty good. I was trying to look at what he went this year. One, two, three, four. Oh. Four complete games in conference play, granted, those are seven innings. So, anyway, I don't need to hammer that point, though. I just found that kind of fascinating. Threw threw
1: no hitters this year.
0: They did. He did. I just found it fascinating they let him go uh, nine innings four times in 2019. So, that seems (laughs) pretty good. Or five times, whatever the hell it
1: is. Pretty impressive. What did he do? So, if you have his game log, what did he do in the regional in 19? I guess it would be his last start.
0: uh, In 19, he he went five and a third of two-run ball on seven hits against LSU.
1: So, that's kind of what I think he would do in Oxford. And then they'd go to the bullpen and it wouldn't go well.
0: And there's really nothing else throughout the rest of his career. At least I can't go back. He's been there since 17. So, he's kind of – I think he's a fifth-year senior guy. The only other start to kind of compare it to would be that start against Mississippi State. But, you know, that's a 55-degree day in February. And, hell, he only had two strikeouts when he went seven and two-thirds. So, anyway, uh, he went seven and two-thirds on 77 pitches. That's uh, pretty economical there. And
1: that is economical.
0: So, anyway, so playing it out, yeah, I think Ole Miss could get through the loser's bracket. You're right. But, you know, particularly after Doug leaves the mound, those next couple games, you're going to need uh, a pretty strong offensive performance. But, uh, anyway, I, is there any other angle you want to hit on this? I feel like we covered that up pretty, uh, pretty good. I think Derek Diamond will pitch well, and I think Ole Miss will absolutely get by, uh, Southeast Missouri on Friday night. I just, uh, I don't know if I was surprised by the decision. I just figured if Mike Bianca kind of had an out to start his guy, he might go that way. And uh, you know, to his credit, he did not.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I I, I don't want to jinx anything and somebody come back and blame me, but I, I don't think Ole Miss is going to have a problem on Friday night. I, I I think that's got eight to four, nine to four, ten to five written all over it.
0: I think so uh, as well, and that might be happening as I get to the stadium. I fly into Memphis. I land. At- so we
1: are going to a game.
0: So uh, my I, I was talking to uh, the old the old man, Brian Scott Rippey Sr. Uh, I guess <laughs> I'm started. So I'm new to this whole message board thing, and right. uh, so I, I I made the mistake of name searching myself on for the first time on there, Ooh. and uh, there were some questions about the double name in the past. So my father is Brian Scott Rippey Sr. Uh, my double name is not just some blaring billboard that I uh, grew up in Northeast Jackson. There is some purpose behind it. Uh, so I talked to Brian, Brian senior, and uh, he said he did have an extra ticket. If I'm able to get to the stadium at a reasonable hour. So don't screw this up American air. I'm trying. Cause you know, last time I went for the Vanderbilt series and we talked about this on the pod, uh, the Sunday flight, my return home flight to Dallas, was was uh, not just delayed, it was, uh, that's not happening anymore. That flight does not exist. It's canceled, and uh, you'll be home Monday night. Otherwise, you're not getting a refund. Didn't so, so what,
1: problem. what time's your thing you have to be at on Saturday? Six. So, you, you really don't need to see the Rebels play on Saturday. No. Because- <laughs> if you see them play on Saturday, there's an issue. Yes. Right? <laughs> but wait, so what
0: time would they play on Saturday?
1: If they won, they would play at five. If they lost, they'd play at eleven a.m.
0: Yes, I am. A, I actually have a sneaking suspicion. So, as I mentioned on the on this uh, Monday show, this is a year after party type of thing. Like uh-huh. they've already gotten married. Do you think that's casual enough to where they'll have televisions? It's at the uh,
1: so oh, yeah. Then yes, yes, absolutely. It will one hundred percent be all.
0: My guy's an old Miss baseball fan. Like, surely he wouldn't do that to the rest. How of the did team. How did he get
1: talked into this then?
0: Well, well, I mean, so they they had they were supposed to get married this weekend of 2020. COVID, sure. obviously, that wasn't happening. They ended up having a smaller reception where they actually did the mar- the marriage ceremony and a small reception in his hometown in Valdosta, Georgia, uh, in August. And they just said, you know, I'm sure the lyric was like, "Well, I mean, y'all can still book this some other time." So I'm sure they were just like, "Hell yeah, same weekend next year." I don't think he was uh, cross checking the NCAA regional
1: schedule when this happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think Oof. that's how
0: that played out.
1: Oof. It could uh, I, look. I'll say this: you're a better friend than me.
0: Look, I'm getting to go back to Oxford, and it's an excuse to go to at least part of a game. Uh, Barry, I, I have just jinxed myself. I'm going to be in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth airport at 10 p.m. Still not having taken off. Now by saying that,
1: <laughs> but- watching the r- watching the rubs on your phone that's got eight percent left.
0: Yes, American Air, if they do their job, and they owe me one after last time because that was an absolute disaster, get me to the game, please. And then if my friend is listening this by the off chance, I'm probably still going to tell him this in person once I get a couple of Coors Lights in me. Turn the game on. We all want – We all. everyone's thinking it. <laughs> if his wife is listening, I'm sorry, I'm just joking. Anyway, moving on, let's – Uh, you want to make our picks for the regional? We got anything sure. else to cover?
1: No, I think that's about it. Jack uh, oh, Jones just- I- left.
0: I had this thought written down earlier today. Uh, if they do go two and zero, Drew McDaniel is going to be a hell of a lot better than whatever the other teams yes. they're facing in that kind of closeout game. That uh, that that should not be an issue. Uh, with that said, you probably don't want to push that bad boy to a winner take all game just by the sheer uh, nerve factor of it.
1: Yeah, just for my sanity and heart rate and blood pressure and all that. Just in that on Sunday night. I don't I don't really feel like that needs to get into money. Weather looks good. That's hardly ever a thing we're during Ole Miss regionals, but the weather looks pretty good.
0: You had rain, minor rain issues in the Clemson regional in 19. They definitely had rain issues the year they went to uh, Was
1: there rain issues in the 18? Oh, yeah, there was rain issues in 18 cause they had to play that thing on Monday. Both games were on Monday. That's right. They got Friday completely rained out.
0: That's right. I forgot about that. So, Friday was completely rained out in 14 and 18 then.
1: Correct. It was
0: not in sixteen, though it did Sixteen, happen.
1: it did not it did not screw with the schedule, but if you remember Utah, it rained yeah. the entire game.
0: Yes, a light, annoying rain. As Ole Miss was kind of getting shoved by whatever that kid's name was from Pac-12 champion four seed Utah. That's uh, uh Jason
1: Rose. Don't ask me why I remember that.
0: Yeah, that was uh and then uh, I used to could remember that catcher's name. Uh it's not Chase Rogers. That was the tight end from Ole Miss. The two, <laughs> the two lane to hit the home run that Jake comes.
1: Rogers. Who? Jay Jake Rodgers. Rodgers. He, he catches for the Tigers now.
0: Yeah, that's a – oh, really?
1: Yeah. Is yeah, he, he up, he up in the show? Yeah, he's been up. I don't know if he's still up right now, but he has played in the major leagues for the Tigers.
0: He was a good player, and I believe he, he hit was.
1: that off Will Stokes. He did. It was a hanging slider. It, it It's still going. So, that was your
0: use of baseball knowledge for the day. That was – wow, we rattled that off pretty quickly. I'm almost – I don't know if I'm ashamed <laughs> or impressed. So let's uh, – let's, we said we'd make our picks. We decided to modify this a little bit because this is not like, you know, you're, uh, you're Obama going on ESPN and filling out his bracket and Sharpie. This gets a little bit weirder. So why don't we just take it week by week? You want to make our regional picks, and then we'll reevaluate the situation next week? How about – here's the promise to the people in the news the new listeners, I should say, uh, probably don't know this. We made SEC picks all year, and there was one man responsible for tallying the results. That was me, and I did – I tallied the results a grand total. Let me add it up, tally this. Zero times. We would just make the picks and then not add them up. How about I promise to add them up this time?
1: Sounds like water.
0: Honestly, like you really can't teach that work ethic. So, anyway, let's pull this up. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, I guess we could just start in Oxford. Well, yeah.
0: Um, anyway, the, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. That's a good point. I, you I cut out there for a half second. I didn't hear him said, yeah, start an Oxford. I'll go Ole Miss through the regional.
1: Yeah. I'm going Ole Miss three now.
0: I just don't think this is as bad of a draw as it was made. The initial shock factor, not manufactured outrage. You know, they did kind of get, get, it's screwed. I mean, you're not getting a complete cakewalk four seed, but outside Just of that, it's not anything outrageous.
1: A lot of it was juxtaposed with what what happened in Starkville.
0: Yeah, that is that that, and that's only natural. Uh, talk about that, good lord! They uh, they, they lucked out. Uh, oh no, we have one more topic to get to before the picks. I am so glad you said that. Do you remember what I texted you earlier today?
1: Uh, oh yeah, the RPI thing.
0: So I I I tend to not. I, I having a desk job and not being on Twitter for my livelihood has been a great thing for uh, the space between the years up here. So I am not really akin to the minutia of egg Bowl Twitter much anymore, but I did get tagged in a couple of things regarding whether RPI is an indicator of how tough your regional is. And of course anyone with half a brain knows that it's maybe a slight gauge. It's, it's, a, it's a compass, but not a roadmap.
1: So, in terms of what uh, it is? Yeah, the state fans are tweeting out that their uh, regional is tougher because of high, higher RPI ranks. I would simply say, do you, would you like to switch? Would <laughs> you like to switch regionals? Because I'm sure Ole Miss is open to that if you'd like. If Just let me know. There's,
0: there's a qualifier to this. It's the internet state fans, which is the, you know, and sure, this is sure, sure. the same coin of the old internet Ole Miss fans. I guarantee the majority of rational state people realize they got a pretty good draw, which you enjoy it, right? Like Ole Miss got a great draw in 2019, right? That yeah. no annoyed team, that Clemson team. They weren't any good. Sure. Like, so just, you know, but we, we covered this on Monday. The, the, the lack of rhyme or reason to how they disperse the seedings after the hosts and stuff to the regionals is just kind of dumb. So enjoy it. But anyway, it's kind of the fringe internet argument going on. But it actually spawned a decent thought from me, which is rare. I texted you. Is there a way we, and I say collectively, not literally us because uh, I, we, we don't have enough time, could we come up with a more efficient version of the college basketball net? And the best way to phrase that is, is there a metric we could come up with that's more accurate, engaging teams than RPI, because I think anyone would agree RPI in both basketball and baseball is flawed, and this might be the best time to have this conversation given this weird COVID year where RPI is kind of jacked up as is. And there might not be a better person to ask than you. So the floor is yours. Uh,
1: so, yeah, there is, there is a way to come up with a better metric. I'm not smart enough to be the one to figure that out. Um, so some things on RPI. I think, if, I think when you talk about RPI this year, I think when you were gauging SEC teams against each other and Big 12 teams against each other and Pac-12 teams against each other, it was fine. Uh, because those guys, there was enough cross-pollination uh, to, hey, those guys plays out of their league. They, you know, they were fine. When we talk about the ACC who only played two weekends out of conference and the Big 10 who didn't play out of conference and the MIAC who somehow wound up with Fairfield at two, um, you know, it, then it's not. Um, but that, that's a lot of COVID issues. So I think the if we're talking about RPI from a standpoint of uh, what could we do to make it a better metric, is there a better metric, I think it's important to gauge it from 2019, uh, the last full year where everything was kind of regular. And here's the thing with RPI, and I used to not be in this camp. The RPI is in, inherently screwy to West Coast teams because they can't really – play a ton of midweek and non-conference games against good opponents. Whereas Ole Miss can call up, you know, if they wanted to, they could call UL Lafayette. They could call South Alabama. Um, same with state. There's not really those opportunities in the West. So the RPI is already going to be inherently flawed um, to those teams because of you're, you're kind of limited on the teams you can play in midweek and non- conference, especially midweek though. Um, so, is there a better metric currently? No, not really. It would take some work. You would have to, and I'm not sure how you would do offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency uh, because that's part of the net, right? Um, Yeah, there is a way to do it better. Do people care enough about college baseball to come up with that metric? Because when we talk about the net, right? Like it wasn't just, Hey, let's create this better metric. Like there was, there was things, you know, like Sagarin and, and Ken Palm that kind of led to that, and there's not really right. that thing in college baseball.
0: Well, and you you couldn't do defensive efficiency in college yeah. baseball. I mean, right. Like, that that would that, that's literally just opening it up for, like, inside jobs between coaches and stuff. I mean, sure. If you did that, nothing would be an error. You right. could have a dribbler back to the pitcher. That guy could take the ball, put it in his glove, and boot it behind home plate in the stands, and they'd be, like, infield single. Like, but I get what you're saying. Like, there, there probably is a way to do it. Does any? We may have some nerds listen to this. If there are any nerds out there that want to come up with this, I will pay you tens of dollars. So <laughs> there is something
1: called the Massey writing, and he does a good job of writing teams. And his, I can't remember exactly what his formula is, but he does a pretty good job. But there's just not that level of Ken Palm that that drives a metric beyond RPI like college basketball had.
0: There's probably an opportunity great. here, though, right? Like, if someone comes up with something that checks out from the math perspective, uh, you could kind of make a name for yourself.
1: I'm peaking my interest here.
0: Yeah, I, like, that, that was kind of the uh, the goal of it when I texted you. I know it was 2.30 in the afternoon, but I was getting the uh, 2.30 uh, wall at work, and I was like, you know what? I'll pique his interest with this one. So uh, maybe that's your off-season project. So, you know, yeah, uh, Ken Palm, that's Ken Pomeroy call brist? no i don't think that works you're gonna have to no no we'd,
1: we'd have we to come up with something a little bit creative
0: yeah like uh <laughs> Wrights because people seem to love that so i just thought that was interesting because rpi is flawed and particularly this year right it's flawed and it's yeah. certainly not a gauge a way to gauge how tough a regional is because i mean doesn't texas te- technically have the number two like RPI yeah. team in it yeah
1: so like if you're basing everything off of rpi uh i guess Fairfield's the second toughest team in the country
0: Look, put some respect in it, man. They're 37-3. and three.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> They'd be 3-37 and 37 if you dropped them in the SEC.
0: Yeah, I, I just – I don't know what the solution to this is, but we do keep going off RPI. And I think – I don't think it's something like, – I didn't, I don't mean this is like it's a crisis that college baseball has to fix, but there is a probably a better way to do it. And that doesn't mean you completely boot RPI, kind of like how college basketball did. <laughs> Just because hey, if you get whatever metric I think RPI is still a pretty good indicator generally of where things fall. Just not necessarily the uh, – hell, maybe this metric ends up helping these this committee distribute the two and three seeds better. Because it doesn't make any sense right now. All right, so that's our challenge to the nerds or Colin out there is to come up with a metric. I just thought that was interesting. I kind of saw that debate. and I was like, you know, they've made a substitute to RPI in another sport, I wonder if we could do it in college baseball. The last question I'll pose to you, uh, how about series wins? That became a stat this year.
1: Good Lord. Did you base uh, anything it,
0: off series wins?
1: Yeah, you, you, that came from the same people that I said T.J. McCants was the best defender in Ole Miss's regional. To be
0: completely fair, it came from – a yes, that may have been the most legitimate source of it, but it did come from a lot of different viewers. like Old Miss only won X series. It's like, what is that? What has that ever been? Any sort of metric, like I've never seen that in a stat column or anything. You know, you occasionally get the the kind of humble brag of like you win every series you play. That's pretty impressive. Sure. Like Arkansas winning every series, but that's not a metric. That's a <laughs> that's, like, that's a that's a that's a media relations note.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a media relations note. The uh, the McCants thing was funny, and that's no offense to TJ. It's a, he's playing his first year out in center field. He's doing the best he can, but. In a way, he's the best defensive player in the regional.
0: <laughs> no, I will, I, will, I mean, I'll defend said unnamed website to some degree. They have to cover a lot of teams and see a lot sure. of football. But, I mean, you had an obvious one sitting right there for you. If a bad but, defensive team with an elite catcher, can't you just say, oh, look, this kid throws out everyone. Hayden Dunhurst, best defender like, in the regional.
1: If they had just said Gonzalez, I'd be like, you know what, okay, that's fine. But, come on, man. like Roy really do it. You mean we we've spent half the year like wondering if
0: McCants is going to be serviceable enough in center field to not be a complete disaster. And he has, and he got better, as we yes, documented over the last month or so. I know he had a couple of slip ups in Hoover, but the last the, the center field he played the last three weeks of the season was certainly better than the previous five before that, but best defender in the regional. I don't even know one through nine on the other three teams' lineups, but I would bet my entire savings, which is not a lot that uh, that's probably not the case
1: <laughs> no no Florida State's got an elite catcher but uh I digress I digress
0: anyway let's uh let's make our picks before we get out of here through each regional I had this pulled up a second ago but now I'm gonna have to pull it up again so this is great podcasting baseball field of 64 should I write a column about how I should go to 68 we get a play tournament going
1: oh dear god for college we can play that on Monday and Tuesday that'd be fun
0: that actually would be a hell of a lot of fun and, I don't know, may help with the snubs. Like, you know, you haven't had as big, huge, big of gripes about snubs, I feel like, lately. All right, here we go. So, I got it up. We'll just start from the top and we'll go all the way to the bottom and over. Fayetteville Regional, Arkansas, NJIT, Nebraska, and Northeastern.
1: Uh, Arkansas,
0: Three now. think so, uh, rustin Regional, Louisiana Tech, Ryder, NC State, and Alabama.
1: NC State.
0: Okay, actually, like La Tech, I think they will get to the regional. I actually think they'll give Arkansas one hell of a fight in a Super.
1: Sounds like a winner to me. I hope they get third. They got a kid from a high school on the team.
0: That's pretty awesome. They got a good club. Uh, They hit the hell out of the ball.
1: Let's see. They do. They do.
0: It's kind of – Is there, I mean, I hate to just say directional Louisiana school, they're similar. It Does not remind you a lot of that ULL team old Miss faced?
1: It does. It does. They don't have quite the pitching that ULL had.
0: Right. Minus the beards, too. Uh, yeah. Palo Alto regional. Stanford, North Dakota State, Irvine, and Nevada. Irvine. Okay. I can fully admit I don't know a ton about this regional. So I'll go Stanford. Why not? I <laughs> watched
1: Stanford play Oregon State last weekend because I was rooting for Ole Miss to get a national seat. It's not a great baseball team. Well,
0: you know, I look West Coast biased. You never just really know. But like, sure. remember, too, the last time we had a tournament, you remember who the number one overall seed was?
1: Uh, Vanderbilt. Okay,
0: 18 then.
1: UCLA? Uh, it was – oh, was it? Yeah, they got – yeah. No, it was, it was UCLA in, in 19, too, and they got put out by Michigan. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's what I was referring to. I thought that yeah. was 15. Yeah, not uh, not great. Uh, Texas Te- – uh, Lubbock Regional. Texas Tech, the Troops Army, uh, UCLA and North Carolina.
1: UCLA.
0: I'm going UCLA, too. Tucson Regional. This would be interesting to some old Miss fans. Arizona, Grand Canyon, Oklahoma State, and UC Santa Barbara. I will go with the Oklahoma State Cowboys.
1: I am, too. I am, too.
0: So, you think of Ole Miss makes it through a regional they're playing at home again?
1: I do. I absolutely do.
0: I agree as well. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina regional. Or maybe – no, this is Greenville, North Carolina. Apologies to Cliff Godwin. East Carolina hosting, Northfolk State, Charlotte, and Maryland.
1: East Carolina.
0: I'll go Charlotte. Nope. Okay. Vanderbilt, National Regional.
1: let Presbyterian- just stop. Just, just yeah, stop.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Vanderbilt. They're honestly set up better for a Super 2, which is the scary part. And, yeah. that's, honestly, that's probably – you had this point earlier in the week, and I agree as well. You know, for saying Hoover didn't end up mattering for Ole Miss, you don't want to get paired with uh, that or, what, Arkansas or, I mean, name the Tennessee. Third. Yeah. that You would want no part of that. The fact that they get Arizona is a huge plus.
1: Yeah. You didn't want to go to Knoxville or Nashville or Fayetteville.
0: Austin Regional, Southern Arizona State, Fairfield, and of course Texas. I just admitted their name.
1: So if you're Texas, this is the kind of the thing where I said, you know, if you get a tough two seed, you want a tough three seed, Texas has to be a little pissed off because I'm sure Arizona State looks at Fairfield and is like, I am not throwing our ace against that. Um, so now Texas has to deal with with uh uh, Arizona State's ace, it'll be fine because Todd Madden's really good, and I'm sure Texas is holding him. Uh, Texas is going to get through it, but they they got to be a little upset.
0: You took the words out of my mouth with the second part of that, right? As much as I kind of rib, ribbed you about the Fairfield thing, like that does suck, right? I mean, that's a that's not a cakewalk, but like Arizona would be absolutely bonkers to throw their ace against Fairfield in the 2-3. I mean, you can make the argument Arizona State, if a non-hosting team, got the best draw of anyone in this tournament.
1: Yeah, probably could, actually. Well, besides Old Dominion, but yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, Florida, uh, Gainesville Regional. Florida, USF, Miami, and South Alabama. Oh, uh, Florida. I think Florida as well. I think they're playing good baseball. South Bend Regional. Notre Dame, Central Michigan, Yukon, and Michigan.
1: I'm going to have an opinion that not a lot of people are going to like. I think Notre Dame's pretty good. I think Notre Dame's getting out of there. You've said that for a couple of weeks. Make the case. I mean, they, they look, so – there's a football mindset with this, right? Like, everybody sees Notre Dame, oh, they're overrated. I'm telling you know' this team can pitch it. Things swing it enough. You don't just win the ACC by accident either. Um, I don't know. I, I think they're going to go to Starkville here in a few weeks or two weeks and, and give State an issue. i do not Not necessarily saying they're going to win it, but I don't think State's going to owe it to them either.
0: Starkville Regional, that's uh, uh, right. right uh, well, I mean, we with each other, obviously. That's how this bracket works. So, my brain's really just behind Mississippi State, <laughs> Samford, VCU, and the Campbell Camels.
1: You know, State.
0: I think State 3-0, oh Uh I have a personal rooting interest in the Campbell Camels because I've really enjoyed saying that on this podcast. Their logo, sick. I have so,
1: a rooting interest for three of the four teams in that regional.
0: If Campbell Camels win that regional, I will smoke an entire pack of Campbell Crushes in it.
1: I game. will donate to anyone's athletic department that is not Mississippi State if they win that regional.
0: Okay, so we that's a thats a pretty solid side bet we just got going on. Uh, you
1: know, Any <laughs> one of them.
0: Crushes the are where you crush a little ball into menthol. El- right. I haven't smoked a cigarette in, well, in my mom's listening ever, but ages. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll Campbell, be a
1: Sanford Bulldog dugout club member.
0: If uh, my buddy, I'm going to see the summer Sanford Law School grab, maybe he'll get me a shirt or something. But if the Campbell <laughs> Camels win that regional, I'll smoke a pack of Camels. Uh, let's see Fort Worth Regional, right in my backyard. Uh, TCU, McNeese, Oregon State, and DBU. TCU. I think TCU gets through that one as well. Columbia, South Carolina Regional, with Old Dominion as the host. Old, old Dom- Dominion. Jacksonville, South Carolina, and Virginia. Old Dominion. Yeah, I read a headline that South Carolina had the arms to get to Omaha. Uh, I don't know about that, so I'm going to go. No, old. they don't. I'm going to go no, with the don't. arms. No, they don't. <laughs> Oregon.
1: The arms. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying they don't have the arms to get out of this regional.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. Uh, Eugene Regional, Oregon, Central Connecticut State, Gonzaga, and LSU.
1: Uh, people are doing the LSU thing. I, I just don't think they're good enough, Oregon.
0: Uh, how about Gonzaga?
1: Okay. I'm fine with that. I don't think it's LSU.
0: They're, if Paul Maneri was not retiring, would anyone pick this LSU team? No. Last one: Knoxville Regional, Tennessee, Wright State, Duke, and Liberty.
1: So, I'm going to go Tennessee, but I think if there's anyone that I'm wrong on, I think it would be Tennessee first. Um, I think Tennessee gets out of there, but I don't think it's a fun experience.
0: No, they, uh, they talk about people being mad, like they got a job done that as well. I will go with the Tennessee Volunteers as well because I just think they're that good. I mean, I think they, yeah. they could have won, not could have, they won the SEC East with Vanderbilt in it. They went to the SEC title game and really just ran into kind of a buzzsaw Arkansas team and took them to the wire. Uh, I think they're really good. Uh, I think they got an unfortunate draw, but I, I, I will take them through that. But they have to show up, which to their credit they have all year. They're really good. So, that's our picks. We'll actually revisit them now that we uh, actually have it. Uh, you know, we're official these days. We sold the company. We've gone global over here at Light. So, I will actually get out uh, the old abacus and calculator and uh, tally up our picks at the end of the week, and then we'll uh, reevaluate after the Supers. I, uh, I think that's everything we had. Um, I wrote about Jacquez Jones transferring in the newsletter. There's no need for us to hit on that in this baseball podcast. Maybe later on the week. We'll see.
1: Um, anything else you want to hit? No, I think that's about it. I think that's about it. The next time we do a podcast, we'll either, Ole Miss will either be two games away from Omaha or I'll probably need to console him.
0: I was about to say it will be a season wrap up, or Ole Miss will be on the precipice of heading to Omaha, Nebraska. I tend to lean towards the latter versus the former, but we absolutely. Also, uh, I appreciate your time, dude. As always, I will. Uh, we'll run into each other this weekend. Last time, my travel issues kind of put a wrench in that, but uh, we'll uh, we'll link up this weekend. Looking forward Sounds to like playing Oxford. Um, but I appreciate the time as always. Everybody have a safe and happy Thursday. We'll be back with Greg's Grill Corner tomorrow. But uh, otherwise, have a safe and happy weekend. See you, dude.
1: Sounds good.